0: Hey, I am doing a solo episode today, and this isn't something that I do super often, but I've been experimenting a little bit more with filling you in on what is happening in my world of teaching and having a child in school. So this one is all about what it's been like for me to head back to school the last solo episode i did was just before i headed back kind of like a pep talk to myself Uh, and then my wife and i actually did a tag team episode where we were debating whether or not to send our son to school and now i want to just fill everybody in on what it's been like for me to go back to school uh, for the past three weeks Uh, a bit of a backstory: i decided when we were going to have a son in April, we knew that you know obviously back in the summer of 2019. Uh, We were trying to figure out how to do mat leave this time. When I had my first son I took 15 months off and it felt like too long. So we decided that we were going to do it a little bit differently with the second child and my wife and I were going to split the time. And then the pandemic happened and everybody that I know was telling me you should just take a longer leave with Les's job as a psychotherapist. She can be seeing all her clients online, so why would you put yourself and your family at risk? But I really wanted to be back at school. This seems like a really important chapter in education and I didn't want to miss out on a massive pivot point in learning and teaching in classrooms. Uh, and even though it seemed scary on paper. I have a lot of trust in my institution and the people that I work for. And so I felt like it was a it's a calling to be in education. And when it's a calling, you you can't help but be there and be with the students. So even after the pandemic and we had to think a little bit more carefully if that plan still worked for us, we decided that, yeah, actually I do want to go back. So We had structured it so I would be heading back into the classroom just at the beginning of December, and that way I would have three-ish weeks to get to know my students, to slowly transition back, and then have the December break, which in my school is two weeks, to catch my breath and to do some planning for the new year. And actually, you know, I planned this out pre-pandemic, as I said, it's been kind of Awesome to do it like this. So I want to just fill everyone in on what has been good, what has been holding me up, because I think that there are a lot of stories right now about what's not working. And I want to share the good. I want to share some things that are actually kind of awesome. I just want to begin by prefacing all these things that I'm saying that have been good and that have been holding me up. Um, I have this kind of a problem, and my wife really, really gets frustrated with me for this, but I can adapt to almost any uncomfortable situation. And I think the best example of this in my life is when my wife and I bought a brand new couch having never sat on it. We were moving in apartments and we needed a new couch and we wanted to buy like basically like the Ikea couch that's like an L and then the L part lifts up so you get storage underneath and then it pulls out into like a a double daybed and we liked the Ikea one but we had this idea that we were like too fancy for Ikea now in our life which is looking back on that such a joke we are not too fancy for Ikea now. Uh, but anyway we we found it at this uh, furniture store and they do like wholesale stuff and you pick stuff out of catalogs and then they ship it to the store and then you get this couch that you know normally would be like three thousand dollars and you get it for like a thousand or something so we bought a couch having never sat on it and we brought it home and my wife hated it she was like the most uncomfortable couch for her ever it was way too firm it was like sitting in a waiting room chair uh just terrible for her. And at this point, I was pregnant with our first son. And I was like, this is fine, it's no big deal. And apparently, when you're pregnant, you have all these like hormones going through your body that make you not feel as much pain or discomfort. It's like relaxing. So like everything's just happy and fine. Anyway, I didn't see a problem with the couch at all. Um, it gave birth on that couch. It was like very fine and dandy until after Ambrose is born and I remember sitting on it being like this is actually not so great and so you know with a I think he was like two weeks old the baby we like went to Ikea and picked out basically the exact same Ikea couch that we were not wanting to buy which is the couch we have now and it is amazing and we love it and it's the perfect couch for our family but I was just fine with that couch and if Les hadn't pushed me more I probably would have been Uh, sitting with that very uncomfortable couch for the rest of my life just because it seems like fine, good enough. Um, So I think that in some ways, as I'm telling you these things that are really good about my life and what's working right now about being back in school, um, I have this probably problematic ability to make any terrible situation okay or good in my head, or at least tolerable. Um, If you've ever read The Book Thief, I'm like Rosa Huberman. I'm a good woman for a crisis. I can just sort of like buck up and deal with it. Uh, So um, my son's kindergarten teacher talks a lot about what holds us up and how we hold each other up. So I'm going to share 10 things with you today that have been holding me up over the last couple of weeks. The first one is pretty simple. It's that I kind of did the opposite of an Irish goodbye, like an Irish hello. I don't know what that probably is a really problematic term, Irish goodbye, Um, but I don't know how else to say it. It's like the just the sneak in through the back, the almost undetected entrance that I had coming in in the last day of November was kind of perfect. Nobody in my school felt super anxious anymore. Everyone had kind of worked through what COVID school would be like. Uh, I was able to learn from what all of the other people in my team had been figuring out for months and months before me. And they did a phenomenal job at that. I literally just slid into a team that I trust and I'm comfortable with and that I can ask them questions. And it wasn't a big fanfare for me to step into. So I think to have a low key transition back, I couldn't have asked for a better way to begin a new chapter because it wasn't a big deal and I didn't feel like there was stress around me which helped me manage my stress and my anxiety. The second one comes from Brene Brown's podcast Unlocking Us which I am very very much obsessed with right now. Uh, She talks about FFTs which stands for fucking first times. And this is like just so perfect because if you don't remind yourself that you're doing something for the first time, I don't know about you, but I find that there can be this unspoken assumption that you should know how to do school in a pandemic or this idea that if only you had read more, if only you were watching more YouTube clips of fantastic teachers doing pandemic pedagogy, you would know how to figure it out. But that's... Ridiculous, and nobody knows what they're doing, and certainly not teachers. We've been teaching in person in Canada for like four months now, so how could anyone really have figured it out? So every time I had these ideas of, oh, like if only I could just do this better, I would just be like, oh, right, I'm in an FFT. This is just a FFT right now. And reminding myself that gave me so much more latitude to experience grace and forgiveness for all the clumsy things that I was figuring out and doing. And when I, you know, I would never say this out loud to my students, but when I was giving myself over to just the sucking of everything, of like, I guess I'm just going to suck at this for a little while, um, I realized that my students didn't really care that I sucked at things, that I was projecting an overall air of confidence and joy and happiness being in that space with them and that if i didn't know how to work the owl or if i didn't understand that i had to turn on the google meet for the students that were waiting for me they were fine they just said oh miss kirsch this is happening like oh great cool i think it allows all of us to remember that we're human and that we're figuring this out together and that kind of leads into number three which is just leaning on the people around me I have been really, really lucky to be working with the team on the grade eight team that just, I, I trust that I know, get me, that I feel like I can be myself around, that if I am doing something completely ridiculous, that they will tell me, and that I genuinely enjoy being around. So coming back to school, I was like noticing how happy I was. And I remembered that, oh, right, I really like these people that I get to see, even though we're behind masks, and we're not really hanging out in the lunchroom in the same way. And we don't really get to, you know, just go to each other's houses after school. But it was for For me, anyway, it was like some of the first adult conversations that I'd had in months other than like the friends that I'd seen in parks. So it it was really nice to be around people that I really enjoyed being with. The other piece, so number four was I had a really good quick touch base with my principal and he had been making careful efforts this year to make sure that we had these quick like 15 minute check-ins with the staff and the teachers. And I really appreciate that he initiated this. I don't think I would have thought to do it, but to have these like informal, hey, how's it going, kind of replaces the conversations you'd have in the lunch line or standing at the photocopier, which we don't do anymore. So having this little check-in with him, it was a nice little moment to actually be honest with him and to talk about what I'm struggling with and to name it, to actually name that, which takes... like it takes me a ton of vulnerability to be able to do that but when i was saying to him i'm really struggling with not being able to do the same level of performance in this space that i'm used to and that somebody is going to judge me for that it just the response that he gave was just perfect it was like yeah of course you feel that way and this is okay your your best is good enough like what you're doing is good enough just hearing him say that reminded me that, of course, right, you're a human. And sometimes the stories that I make up in my head of what people expect of me are just stories that I have in my head. And when I was able to name that, it completely diffused the situation. It helps that people who are in senior leadership teams at my, the senior leadership team at my school have said, you know, be gentle with yourself and remember to take it slow and, what you're doing right now is great like just really being gentle and compassionate and loving reminds me that we have to practice that with ourselves first because doing less is quite hard especially when you like your job especially when you want to get better at your job too at teaching it's one of those crafts where you can always put in more and to give yourself that permission to not do as much is really hard, especially this year. But there isn't the time for it this year. So to have that honest one-on-one conversation with somebody that has my back and that is in a leadership position really did make a huge difference for those first couple of weeks. Number five uh, is definitely, definitely designing self-guided lessons. I was still wrapping my head around what it felt like to be teaching a room full of students where some of them might be there on any given day and some of them might be joining us virtually and some people were literally on the other side of the world and how I might manage all those pieces and making sure that everyone kind of got what they need when they needed it. So um, inspired by the Global Online Academy work that I did this summer, I did a wayfinding course and I just you know, put together a self-guided introduction to journalism unit to set us up for a future unit. And I saw Jennifer Gonzalez's with the Cult of Pedagogy, her work around self-guided units. So I, you know, kind of spliced both of those pieces together and created something for my students that, you know, it's not perfect. I was putting together something that was good enough for the time being, but it allowed me to take time to get to know the students individually. And then I wasn't planning things the night before for my classes. Uh, And it was a pretty low-key academic piece for my students. It wasn't heavily assessed and it wasn't worth a lot, but it gave them the opportunity to be engaged in work, either in class or at home. And it gave me the ability to free up myself during class time to have one-on-one conversations with students and to... Uh, review their learning in the classroom, and that takes me to number six, which was marking inside of class. I a couple of years ago I took Andrea Watson's forty-hour teacher workweek course, and I like there's so much in that course, and I highly recommend it for teachers, and. I took it, obviously, before the pandemic, but so many of those pieces in that course were about making your life as a teacher more efficient and more manageable so that you actually can turn off on the weekends. You actually can leave your computer at school. And, you know, whether it actually is 40 hours of teacher work or, you know, your version, it might be 50 or 55 hours. But it's all about being able to have rest and have downtime. So one of the ideas that I took away from her course was marking while your students are in class with you, which sounded kind of, I don't like it kind of risky to me, like, oh, I get in trouble for that. But I actually think that it was perfect. And I talked to my students about it beforehand. And I said, you're working on this self-guided journalism work. When you need support, you're going to start by asking your peers, you can send them a message, you can open up a Google Meet and talk to your peers. Um, If you need me, you can write your name on this appointment slot on the board and I'll come to you. But I'm also going to be marking this piece that you just turned in so that I can get your feedback to you in, you know, two days. They're like, yeah, okay, that seems reasonable. And I was able to do their marking before we left for the break. And it was not a hugely like difficult piece to mark. I wasn't marking um, summative essays or major complicated projects. It was a short audio piece that they did, which was three minutes, and I was able to have one headphone plugged in listening to their work, gave them a couple of points of feedback, and for the students I was able to get them feedback within, you know, a week of when they turned it in. And I didn't take the marking home, and I wasn't doing it during my prep time. I was actually prepping their future lessons during my prep time. And I think that it was a small thing that I experimented with on a minor scale that showed me, yeah, actually students will value you taking the time to get the marking done faster because I, I don't, like I can't speak for everybody, but I find that with the new COVID schedule, I'm in class more than I was last year. So I have less time to mark. And plus, with my own personal life, I'm now getting dropped off and picked up from school, um, which I really like. But then it means because school ends earlier, I'm the best part thing. The best part is that I'm with my s- children from when I get picked up until when they have their bedtime. So all of my like prep time kind of gets like shuffled into the later parts of the evening, um, which is sometimes hard to be doing marking during that time. So this is all to say I'm trying to be creative with how to find spaces to mark with my students and I imagine that for the next piece that they turn in in January, if we're together in the same space, I could just like slide over towards them and do like a in-person mark, like just like actually look it through and give them feedback on the spot. Um, Or I can just open up a Google Meet with them if we're virtual for the all of January and give them feedback one-on-one during our asynchronous time so that they're able to get the feedback back a little quicker and I'm not taking huge amounts of marking into my evenings and weekends. So number seven, I think that I always knew this, but I've been playing around a little bit more with it since I read the book called Burnout and I will put it into the show notes because it was phenomenal and it I listened to it on audiobook and it was I, I listened to it within two days, I think, because I could not stop listening to it. The one of the main ideas in this book, Burnout, was that we have to deal with the stress in our life, not the stressor. So the distinguishing factor of this is that everybody feels stress. Stress comes and it goes and it ebbs and it flows. And that you don't necessarily have to deal with the thing that's stressing you out, but every day you have to somehow release the stress from your body. And the authors go into a lot more detail about that. But essentially, I have to get myself into peak fighting condition in order to be able to navigate this stress of school and the increase of stress of this transition of not being at home and not being around my children all day and not being able to create my own schedule. So I've really, really, really been trying to prioritize doing at least 20 minutes of exercise every morning doesn't always happen. But leading up to going back to school. I was definitely exercising at least like five days a week for only 20 minutes, but it made such a huge difference. And getting back into short 10-minute meditation definitely been harder since I was actually in school. But small things like that make it so much easier for me to deal with and process the daily stress that comes from being at school, the uncertainty of COVID. You know, we just found out now that we're not actually going back into in-person learning until at least January 11th, who knows, could be longer. But the uncertainty is stressful, so every day I have to carve out time to deal with the stress, not necessarily the stressor, because I can't get rid of COVID, can't get rid of that stressor. Um, But running has been my main outlet for dealing with stress in my life, um, or lifting heavy things, and I have to do that every single day in order to be well and be able to work with a stressful job because it's always going to be stressful. The stress has always been there and I deal with it much better when I'm exercising. Uh, Number eight, it takes a ton of bravery to be able to do less, especially when you're working intimately with other people and to hear other teachers say what they're going to be doing and how they're planning and to give myself permission to do less and to not feel like I have to justify it. I'm still working on this. I don't have a great answer, but I I recognize that when I first went back at the beginning of December, I was kind of comparing myself to other people on my team and what they were able to do in a day. And I, I had to, again, make an analogy to running, and I was like, oh, right, they've been at this a lot longer. I'm just warming up. And when if you are a runner and you come back from an injury, you know what this feels like, that idea of wanting to go faster but knowing that it's not right for your body takes a ton of bravery, and I think that I'm just starting to figure this out now, that I am in a different lane right now. I have an eight-month-old at home. I have a four-year-old. He is going to be home from school as well. So I'm not going to be able to do the same level of things that I could do before I had my second kid, before I had my first kid. And that's okay for now. I think that, you know, Winnicott coined the phrase being a good enough mother, I'm just going to be a good enough teacher for a little while and I think that I'm I'm I've put in enough learning and I have put in enough time that I can get through by being good enough and that ultimately the most important thing is to have really good relationships with my students this year and to make them feel really good and safe and taken care of in the learning environment and everything else will come. And I think that's the most important thing that I have to keep telling myself that it takes a lot of bravery to do less. um, And that that will ultimately serve me in the long run because I don't want to burn out. I don't want to get sick. I think that we have to remember that we're dealing with a pandemic. And, you know, even just getting a cold is a massive inconvenience now. So, those small things that I can do for myself to actually practice health and well-being will serve me in the long run. Number nine is inspired by Liz Kleinrock, who I'm obsessed with right now, and I will link to her in the show notes because if you don't know her or follow her already, you definitely should be knowing and following her. She had posted something about disrupting grind culture in schools, and a colleague of mine had posted that on his Facebook, and I instantly, like, completely caught me because I hadn't read anyone talking about schools and grind culture before and it's really been kind of an eye-opener the idea of rest the idea of what are we setting our children up for in classes and that it is okay after you finish something as a student to rest you know I think that I had this idea that productivity is a sign of my worth as a human and i probably i'm going to struggle with this my entire life but some of the thinking that liz has been putting out there is allowing us to see that taking a rest is vital and we have to model this for our students and we have to let them take a break um there's a I think that there's been a fallacy in my practice where if a student finishes something efficiently and quickly and it's done well, I've often then given them more work to do, thinking that they needed to keep doing more and keep doing more. But since reading some of the stuff that she's put out there, I've been experimenting with just offering my students a brain break. So I've said to them, You could put your head down for a few minutes while you wait for the rest of class to catch up. You could read your book right now. You could also just play play flappy golf if you want. And that's okay. Like, just give yourself a little chill time. And it feels a little bit countercultural, especially when I'm talking about the idea that all of us probably think that being productive is a sign that we are of value Um, But we need to give our brains breaks. We need to give our brains time to just relax. Um, I've been really inspired by the conversation I had with Dr. Angela Terpstra, and she was talking about the importance of having a hinterland. Um, And I don't think flappy golf is necessarily a hinterland, um, but we do need to have time where we turn off and we need to have time to let our brains just be fallow, even just for 10 minutes between tasks during a class. To color, to doodle, to close our eyes. So I've been really thinking a lot about rest. And when I'm not doing work at home is time to be with my children. Time to roll around on the carpet. Time to color or stick cotton balls onto paper with glue with my four-year-old. There is, there is so much importance in rest and relaxation. And I have to keep practicing this for myself and for my students. Uh, the last idea, um, that I think has definitely been helping me is just that bad couch thinking. It doesn't really matter how uncomfortable something is for me. For some reason, I will adapt and tell myself something is okay. But I I think that, you know, like I talk about this as a shadow side, but I think actually it is quite great that my brain does this for myself. I intentionally try to find what's good. And I, I think that just reminding myself that there's a lot there's a lot of good happening right now in this version of COVID school. And I don't want everything to look like this uh, in two years time. I don't know when this is all going to be in the past. But there are a lot of really nice things about this chapter. Um, I like being able to go home to be with my children a little earlier. I like that my students, their attendance has been amazing. I like that when my students are not in the actual building, it's easy for them to participate in class. I really like that we're now really talking a lot more openly about disrupting perfectionism and about doing less better and honing in on the most important parts of learning, what we can get rid of to make things more powerful there's a lot, there's a lot that's good right now. So I'm just trying to focus on that. And I, I completely acknowledge that, you know, if you've been in this for four months, and you're listening to me reflect on the last three weeks, I might sound insane. And it could be a completely different story four months from now. Uh, but I think that there is something to be said about the work that has already happened in schools, so that I can do Um, that slip in through the side door and be able to take part in this version of school and feel okay and reflect on the fact that there is a lot that is holding me up and I, I hope that our students also feel that too that there's a lot that's holding them up and that I'm actually really quite happy that I made the choice to go back to work right now. I am going to be signing off until sometime in January. I have a couple of uh, interviews scheduled that I'm really excited about, but I won't say anything about them right now. It is going to be a different new year, and I hope that there's even better things to look forward to on the horizon, whatever that means for you. But for now, I just want to sign off by saying, of course, we're not actually teaching tomorrow, but we are teaching tomorrow.